As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Michael Woodward, and this is part two of episode 43 of the JumbleThink podcast. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the JumbleThink Podcast, a podcast focused on telling the stories of dreamers, makers, innovators, and influencers. Along the way, we'll give you, the listener, some ideas and tips on how you can chase your big idea and dream and make it a reality. On today's episode, we have Matthew Schutte. Really cool episode. More about Matthew in a moment. But first, on Thursday's episode, we have another incredible guest. His name is Raj Daniels. He is the CEO and Vice President of Enthusiasm at OpenTable. It's a really cool company, shaking up the world, and I can't wait to share that episode with you. JumboThink always has some incredible things going on, and I want to make sure that you stay in touch with us. It's easy to do. Go on over to JumboThink.com, and you can find where you can subscribe to the newsletter. A little pop-up will show up. Fill out your email address, and you'll get an email update with upcoming guests, tips, and other things to help you in your journey to chase your dream and big idea. Also, make sure to go over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us so that every Friday you can check out our video of One Tip Friday where we give you a tip for your big idea. Today's episode's pretty incredible, so let's jump into my interview with Matthew Schutte. Today's guest is Matthew Schutte. He is such a cool guy. He is the co-founder of a company called Collaboration Advantage. He is also a part of something really crazy going on called the Meta Currency Project. What they're doing is going to change the world. It's going to impact all of us. It's super cool, and there's a lot to it. So we've broken this episode into two parts. This is part two. If you haven't checked out part one, swing on over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and check out the first episode. So I hope you enjoy part two of our episode with Matthew Schutte. Innovation happens at the edges. What's the reception from the tech industry about the project? Um... Well, that probably requires a little bit of background. We were hermits for a little while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we, uh, the, the, there's two co-founders of the Metacurrency Project and Scepter, Arthur Brock and Eric Harris-Braun. And they were you know, trying to figure out, hey, how can we build signaling systems, you know, new forms of, of essentially wealth um, measurement and wealth communication, right? We, they, they see dollars as a, a system for communicating well-being, like, hey, somebody helped me out, you know, or I helped somebody else out. Now I've got dollars, you know, will you help me out? Here's some dollars, right? So 
um, it's, it's, they were interested in doing some of that stuff and they were involved in communities related to that. And they started going down this path and they realized that they were, when they were talking with people, they were getting bogged down in the weeds in some basic premise stuff and people weren't able to get past, you know, but what about dollars <laughs> or something like that? Yeah. And so they just went, screw it. You know, we're going to go build it. And so they kind of stopped trying to promote and turned toward just building. And then a couple of years ago, they kind of poked their heads up and went, okay, I think we're far enough along now that we can start to share this stuff. And, um, and that's what we're, what we're trying to do now. The reception in the tech world depends. If you, you know, as, as you've no doubt gleaned from listening to what I'm saying, our communication is not where it could be in terms of the simple golden nugget that then leads somebody into some other thing that's a little bit bigger and then another that's a little bit bigger than that. Um, people who have backgrounds in evolutionary psychology or just any sort of biology, um, people who have focused on studying complex adaptive systems or living systems at all, those people see this and they go, oh my God, <laughs> right? <laughs> people who've, uh, who have been... Um, uh, just doing traditional tech stuff, um, probably look at this and go, huh? <laughs> you know, and don't really give it a second thought. Um, the folks that are on the change the world end of things, we've got some friends at, at places like Mozilla and um, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Folks like that tend to, to be more excited and interested in, in a project like ours than, um, a, say, a venture capital firm. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. We, we are not we're not a project that is, you know, trying to, you know, make a billion dollars for the founders like that's you know, <laughs> we're trying to change dollars in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not it's not a fit for, you know, where's the next unicorn? Yeah. Um, do we think do we think that this project has the potential to transform systems in ways that are far grander than you know, an Uber. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Um, do we think that we're going to capture all of that value? No, if we did, then it probably wouldn't be a healthy ecosystem. You yeah. know, do we think that we're going to capture some value that we're going to be maintained in the work that we're doing? Yeah, we think we're going to build tools that are really useful and that we're going to, to create mechanisms that support the generation of those kinds of tools, right? But this is not um, this is not our get rich quick scheme, which is what most of the tech world kind of focuses on, really. Yeah, I mean that's that's the entire lifeblood of technology from from the Silicon Valley model, which is, you know, we need to find that unicorn, we need to find that next big thing, we need to find that innovation that is going to, in a monetary way, affect what we're doing and that's what they're focused on so this is outside that that sphere really yeah peter Thiel in his book zero to one talks about how um there is value creation and there's value capture and they are completely disjointed yeah <laughs> right? like you can make a ton of change in the world you can create a lot of value for folks like tim berners lee you know did http and html html right yeah world wide web invented the world wide web has that been useful for the world? Oh my God, yes! Right, like <laughs> all of these other things that sit on top of that, it is definitely useful. Yeah. Did he capture all that value? No, he gave it away for free. Yeah. Right. Um, he's not hurting. You know, he's he's done <laughs> fine. But yeah. <laughs> but that's more the model that we're aiming for: is 
you know, we're, we're really, for us, this is an existential crisis, right? Like this is an existential gamble. Hey, we are crashing the world. Why? Because our steering systems don't work well enough. Yeah. Hey, we, we think we've seen some things in nature that work, right? Help nature, you know, help those organisms steer well. Hey, let's use some of those. Let's apply those. And so for us, this is, um, <laughs> this is the life's work, right? Yeah. So yeah. up until now, all of the folks involved in the project have been working on this project from an entirely volunteer perspective, right? Like I have been subsidizing my life with, you know, occasional business consulting, whether that's walking, um, organizations through blockchain as a blockchain skeptic, which, you know, uh, half a dozen or so fortune 500 companies have pulled me in to, to walk them through. Um, cause it gives them a clear understanding of where is this stuff really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or on, uh, other things. I, this, the house that I have is a big house near ocean beach. And for a while I was Airbnb, you know, and that those kinds of things have helped to subsidize my lifestyle so that I can work on this stuff. And that's been the case with everybody else on the project as well. Um, we, that is start, starting to transition because people are stepping up and saying, Hey, we want to support this cause. Um, none of us are getting paid yet, but, um, but we're being able to do things like fund this residency program this summer, um, uh, because folks have, have basically realized that they want this tech in the world and they're starting to in- invest for that impact rather than investing for some unicorn, you know, exit made a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it has to go back to a philosophy of what do you want your name attached to, you know, yeah. a little bit of of what you value. And sometimes that's both. And sometimes yeah. that's, hey, I value what's not all about the money, but about changing systems and structures and philosophies. Yeah, I think for me, um, so I won't go into the details, but uh, I realized yours. So I, I, I have some friends who are very famous. And I have some friends who are very wealthy, like billionaires wealthy. And I realized that um, being wealthy ain't that great. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And being famous sucks. Yeah. Like being famous basically means no privacy. And so if I got to the end of my life and I wasn't wealthy and I wasn't famous, I'd be okay with that. But if I got to the end of my life and I hadn't managed to help pull the world a little bit forward towards some kind of path that might actually help us survive. I'm going to kick myself. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some real (laughs) regrets there. Yeah. Um, and, and regrets that couldn't be offset by a million dollars or $10 million or a hundred million dollars. Right. Like those are internal things where you're like, man, I, I could have, I could have made an impact. Right. And, and as long as you're able to have your needs met, um, uh, doing work that is fulfilling and can leave you with a satisfied mind <laughs> is pretty amazing, right? Um, there's no amount of dollars that can make up for a satisfied mind. Yeah, absolutely. When is Metacurrency and the systems, the software, the the tools that you guys are developing, when are they going to start impacting uh, the lives of whether that's in the tech world or whether that's actual individuals, uh, in the non-tech spheres. Sure. Um, we are releasing our first bit of software, Holochain this summer. 
Oh, cool. Um, and so people are going to be able to start building. They can actually go now to scepter.org. If you're a programmer and you're interested in building stuff, <laughs> go to scepter.org, go to our GitHub, look up Holo Holochain. Um, people can build JavaScript apps and Lisp apps currently, but you can do distribute, you can build distributed applications that are actually distributed, right? Um, so people can, can start building these different systems as of now, but we'll be finishing up our security review within the next month or so, and then doing our alpha release, um, probably late June or early July. Um, for, for one second, um, you've said distributed and, uh, yeah. just came to my mind that some people aren't going to realize what that is to, to help them sure. understand it. Basically it's, it's making the application instead of having a central hub, it takes those resources and installs it as a, a cooperative network of, of software that, uh, runs in a collaborative st setting. So instead of it having to go to a central hub, then come back to you, it's working kind of more organic from the edges. Is that a fair yeah. assessment? Yeah. I mean, if I was to simplify like the biggest, um, some of the biggest innovations and things that have changed our world over the last decade have been what we've thought, talked about as peer to peer systems. So peer to peer communication, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, right? Peer-to-peer -peer transportation, Uber, Lyft, peer-to-peer -peer, um, accommodation, Airbnb, um, except none of those are actually peer-to-peer. -peer. Right. All of those are peer-to-monopoly to peer. Right? Yeah, yeah. So when I send a Facebook message, I send it to Facebook, and then Facebook sends it to you. Right? Or, or when, I, when I try to coordinate something with Uber, I send something to Uber, and Uber sends something to you, right? So there's this organization in the middle that is orchestrating all of that activity, but that is also sculpting it yeah. and often sculpting it in ways that are beneficial to that organization and not necessarily beneficial to the folks at the edges. Um, and uh, we have not historically been able to do a different model. Every website you've ever been to had some server yeah. that you, you had to go ping, right, and talk to. That server was the thing in the middle. Yeah. Right? Um, from our perspective, it's and, – and this is kind of how, as you mentioned, um, you've got 10 people with a cell phone. They're able to send messages. They're able to receive messages, and they're able to manage the sending and receiving of messages across that network. Yeah. So, so we are each involved in the sharing, stewarding, et cetera, of how that application runs, and, um, and that's a fundamentally different model. Um, and, uh, so that's what we're working on with Holochain later on this year, we're going to be releasing this year, early next year, we're going to be releasing, um, other software that's, uh, sort of a rewrite of stuff we spent the last several years building. So Holochain, we just started building six months ago, Wow. Uh, but it had been on the roadmap for a long time. We'd spent the previous X number of years building something called a protocol for pluggable protocols, which is basically the system that we're going to use to do those evolving protocol things that I talked about earlier, where, hey, there's not perfect overlap between these two things, but we can build a bridge or we can we can still communicate despite the fact there's only like three parts that we share in common. Um, and that's a that's a deeper into the weeds conversation. But we're going to be coming out with that sometime over the next six to 12 months um, and launching a what we're calling a commons engine so that people can run distributed applications, manage those, and and um, do what, what we think of as a software commons, 
where um, you're able to build inside of an ecosystem, building on top of things that other people have created, get rewarded for that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's more details there. Uh, the, but the long story short is we're releasing our first code within a month or two um, and a lot more stuff coming out over the next 12 months. That's really cool. So it's it's not just a pie in the sky. It's actually coming to fruition. It's coming to, for lack of a better tor- uh, term, to the availability of anyone who wants to engage with it. That's right. That's right. And our, you know, the way we're, we were, the way that we are organized <laughs> is as a duocracy. Okay. So if you, if you out there, if you know folks out in you know podcast land are interested, you can come and you can start now. Like, if you want um, an intro, reach out on the website. We've got a little little way to do that, and uh, uh, and we will help you find other people that are working with us on the stuff that you might be interested in working on. Um, this this for people who are interested in participating, uh, we tend to focus on well, where are you going to gain energy, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and um, and what's going to feed you and and leave you feeling enriched. Um, and then we we have them work there. And sometimes those are things that don't exist yet, right? Like if somebody came in and was like, well, I want to work on, you know, building an application that does this. Cool. Go do. <laughs> we will help support in whatever way we can. Yeah. Right? So we're we are um, <laughs> trying to create the soil for a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, that is not necessarily being steered by us. Right. We're trying to foster a rich ecosystem um, and we think actually not being in control entirely is is critical to that to that ecosystem becoming a thriving one. Well, one observation just from what you've said is that more than the software, although that's the critical backbone to what dictates this philosophical change, is that you really are trying to create a different culture of approach on how we look yeah. at um, communication in a lot of ways. Yeah. Communication and collaboration, right? Like yeah. it, it has to work for you as an individual and we're okay with people trying stuff that doesn't work, right? Like yeah. if, if you go, if you go burn two days trying to do something and you realize, oh, this ain't going to work, that's a bummer, but you chose to be, you know, built burn two days and that's okay. And if yeah. it did work, awesome. You know, like <laughs> that's, um, we're going to make, you know, ec- we're going to exercise our own judgment in terms of where we're going to invest effort or dollars or whatever else, right? Um, like, you know, we've got lots of people applying to come and participate in this residency and we don't have room for all of them, right? Yeah. So we're going to, we're <laughs> going to pick the folks that, that feel best. And a lot of people who have applied have gone, um, you know, I, I want to come play with you guys, but I don't need a residency. You know, either I live nearby and I want to stay there or I live in Sweden and I don't feel like leaving Sweden. You know? <laughs> so, so we're a distributed team. You know, we've got the residency stuff, which is fun for you know an intense few months of people getting together and, and doing work to try to change the world. Um, but we've got other ways to participate as well. That's really cool. How can somebody best connect with you? Uh, go to scepter.org under the – and scepter is poorly spelled. It's C-E-P-T-R dot uh, org. It's one of those techie spellings. Yeah, it has to do – the name comes from the fact that our computing paradigm is based on receptivity. Okay. It's based on the ability to receive a signal maybe without even knowing what it is and then afterwards being able to figure that out. Like you know, I can say a word to you and you can go, wait, what does that mean? And then I can later describe it and 
all of a sudden that word makes sense. Even though I don't send it again, you know, <laughs> I didn't say it again, it makes sense now. So humans and all organisms have the ability to receive signals that they are then later able to figure out how to make use of. And, and we felt like that was a, that receptive capacity was an important part. So scepter.org, there's a participate um, menu. Uh, we've got a few different opportunities for participation there. We have uh, regular salons, online salons, which are basically conversations on uh, topics uh, there as well. So there's a, a variety of ways, whether you're just, hey, I want to I listen to some things. I want to jump into a conversation. I want to um, maybe come live in San Francisco for the summer, or I want to make a donation. You know, if you want to make a donation, there's you'd probably have to reach out to us for that. We haven't made that easy yet. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But the uh, the more engaged ways of, of participating, we've got some paths there. You've got a lot of other things going on. Uh, how do you keep fresh in, in all the chaos of what you have going on? I wish I could say I was great at that, um, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to get better. I'm trying. To, I'm sort of the uh, gets excited, goes, 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 burns out. <laughs> take a month off. Take a week off. Yeah. Take a week off, recuperate, go, go, go. Um, but the things that I do to play, um, I'm a surfer. I'm a big wave surfer. Yeah. So I, I um, unfortunately, that's a very seasonal activity. Um, here in San Francisco, we get our big waves mostly in the winter time. Yeah. But there's a place named a place called Mavericks that's just 20 minutes south of San Francisco, and uh, um, I'm able to lose myself when I'm paddling into you know a 50 foot wave. Um, there's somehow, you know, <laughs> when, when I'm stepping off the edge of a watery cliff, um, I'm not thinking about work. You know? <laughs> I don't, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so that, uh, really deep, intense, those deep, intense forms of play allow me to lose myself in ways that, that prove regenerative or recuperative for me. But I also, as you can probably tell from this conversation, I lose myself in this stuff, right? This yeah. is so complicated and and so juicy right it feels like it's high stakes <laughs> and um and for me like even though this stuff might have been really abstract and out there for some of the folks at home for me this stuff feels very tangible right yeah. it's like oh my gosh i can see it and and we and we built that thing and and so um the doing the work especially in community with other people is a is a really um uh, exciting, uh, thing for me. Can you tell us a little bit about collaborative advantage? Sure. Um, collaborative advantage was a company that, um, or is a company that's, that's basically the company that I do my, uh, distributed computing, you know, understanding the blockchain for enterprise <laughs> corporation, um, work or, um, organizational structure, corporate culture consulting. I've done a fair bit of that as well. Um, the basic gist is the same things that we work on uh, with the Metacurrency Project. Um, hey, how do you, how does a large community steer itself well? How does it thrive? Yeah. It turns out that big companies would like to know that <laughs> <laughs> because those are the problems they face, and they happen to have a budget for figuring out how to do it better. Because if they can, if they can even get just a little bit better at how to coordinate the 100,000 people in their organization, how those people can work together. That can, that can be you know, billions and billions of dollars of additional revenue or savings or the survival of the organization. And so Collaborative Advantage has been the venue, the, the, the organization through which 
um, I've done that sort of consulting work. Um, and that's what's you know, basically getting paid to share these principles, these practices with organizations that can put them into use, right? and we make them a bit more practical, right? We're not we're not going, and the internet will be like this. You know, we're going. Here's what you need to do today, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, uh, unless they're interested in the blockchain stuff, and then we're going. The internet will be like this, you know, or it won't be, um, as the case may be. Um, but uh, collaborative advantage. The, the idea there is that is that the biggest bang for buck that you can get in terms of innovation is an improvement on your ability to collaborate. Absolutely. If your community gets better at collaboration, you win. <laughs> like those are the, every other form of innovation of innovation, you know, gets shared better, gets used better, gets built upon better. And so the most bang for buck is that you can get is improvements in terms of how you collaborate and coordinate. And so that's where we focus. We focus on helping organizations improve how they collaborate and coordinate. And you do that in a really fun way. You, you help stir their creativity and all of that, right? We've, yeah, we've done a number of different things over the years. So we've, we've got everything from uh, the highfalutin stuff where you know, some CEO, CTO, COO from a billion dollar company in Europe comes here and we introduce them to all the folks at the head of the tech companies and design a learning journey that meets you know their needs their industry and where they're hoping to go in the future so you know we're introducing them to the people doing cloud computing artificial intelligence drones etc right so there's that highfalutin stuff and then there's also the the more on the ground let's get your team together and play so we yeah. designed things for oracle and google that involved, and we, we do them for others as well, that involve you know, drone racing, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, a, a full contact <laughs> nice. drone obstacle course relay race, right? So there's collaborative stuff going on there. People are, are losing themselves in the figuring out how to fly a drone. Um, so we do stuff like that, drone racing, other sorts of team building events. Um, and the... Uh, we're probably, or whether it's through collaborative advantage or me solo, I'm basically about to get pushed out <laughs> by the MetaCurrency project into the world to go do a lot more speaking. Yeah. Um, and, uh, some of what we're going to do this summer is probably hone some of those speaking presentations so that they are really tight and humorous and, you know, and take the audience where they need to go. Um, uh, and less kind of winding as this, com as an, as a natural conversation like this one would be but uh, uh those are the those are the ways in which we kind of engage the world for that for for, for my business partner and i on both of us work on the metacurrency project yeah. for us collaborative advantage was primarily a way to build networks right build the communities of the people who are at the heads of the technology companies at the heads of you know corporations and government um so that as we started to roll things out on the tech side, we could introduce those those people to to those solutions. But it was also a way to subsidize, right? It was basically, hey, this can create income that can support us doing the change the world work that we want to do. Let's dive into some rapid fire questions. Always one of my favorite parts of the episode. All right. What are some tips that you would give to someone who wants to innovate? You guys innovate quite a bit. And maybe somebody has an idea or they see an issue in the world and they go, there's a better way to do this. What are some tips that you would give them to start making that movement? Okay. I'd say uh, two or three things. One, um, play. 
play, like make it fun. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> if you can make, if you can make it fun, then you can sustain the effort. Right. Um, two, uh, as I mentioned before, constrain the size of risk. Start, start by trying something small. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, take a small swipe, the tiniest swipe you can so that you can, you can just get a little bit of feedback and momentum, right? Like try one thing, try another thing, try another thing, make sure they're not, you know, you're not investing your life savings on that first thing. Like just dip a toe in the water, reach out. For, you know. Um, and then the other one I would say is, um, try to build community. Yeah. Uh, community, communities are rich. So there's very, there's various ways to build community. You're doing one of those, right. By hosting a podcast, you're building an audience, you're, you're, it's forcing you to reach out to people and right. So there's various ways to build community, but you can also just go to a meetup, right. Find the people that are interested in the things you're interested in. Um, the, the, if you're being playful, it can be really helpful in part because it can make it so that you don't take it so seriously. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they go, Oh my gosh, I've got this idea. I better not tell anybody about it. Cause I don't want them to steal it. Right. Right. And it's just crippling. It's yeah. totally crippling. Um, uh, one, what a horrible way to go through life. Yeah. Right. Just afraid that, that somebody else is going to take the, the thing. You don't even have a thing yet. You've got an idea, right? Like you've got a seed. <laughs> yeah. That seed, that seed is going to need a lot of soil and water and sunlight. And, you know, <laughs> like there's a whole bunch. It needs to grow and it's going to grow a lot faster, a lot better with other people, um, uh, helping it grow. And it's just going to be a better time doing it. So, uh, when you're really doing on the edge innovation, um, the self-maintenance, the psychological self-maintenance is really important <laughs> Yeah. because, you know, if you're taking, if you're trying crazy, change the world stuff, there's a slim chance of succeeding and you better make sure that your life is good regardless wow. of whether it succeeds, right? You, yeah. you better not, it better not be a, I got to the, I got five years down the line. I got 10 years down the line and looked back and went, man, I blew it, you know, cause I bet on the wrong horse and I was miserable the whole time. You know, and I say that having done that, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I spent a lot of my twenties just driving super hard in these very narrow ways. And, um, it's not as fun and it's not as effective. You know? Wow. I think that's really good. I, it drives me nuts. Like I've signed so many NDAs with clients that we've worked with, which is not a problem for me, but I've never mm -hmm. required anyone to sign an NDA when I'm sharing an idea or that kind of thing. Cause I want people to celebrate it. And if somebody else is the right person to take that idea and run with it and make it, I offer that idea freely to them, you know? Yeah. And that's, and the truth is that might be where the meta currency stuff goes, right? Yeah. Like we've, purposely made this so that if somebody else comes along and copies all the code and makes it better and puts it out and it has the impact that was what we were aiming for right we weren't we're not trying to capture and control we're yeah. trying to to change the world and and we may we're, we know we're not the only ones right <laughs> right there's other people <laughs> with really good ideas and insights um and uh, and we want we're okay with them <laughs> participating with them being in control even right. Uh, they definitely need to be in control of the things that they're working on. They need to be in control of themselves. Um, so yeah, we think that playing in that, um, a little bit looser way is way more generative. Yeah. Now you have talked about the change you're creating within the meta currency project. What's one yeah. change outside of that in the world around you that you'd like to see shift? Hmm. 
I don't know. I, wow, that was one I wasn't expecting. I don't know. Um, I think our this is a side, you know, out of left field, but um, not entirely, I guess. Humans were not built to live in single family households. Okay. That's not the history that we came up in. I think that that we are really lonely today because we've been marketed <laughs> a way of living and what it meant to be a responsible adult um, that doesn't feed us and is not generative. For through all of human history, humans lived with their extended relatives. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. We lived yeah. with. With mom and dad and brother and sister and cousins and aunts and uncles and um, and because that's the context we came up in, <laughs> we're wired to seek and enjoy that context. There are privacy, you know. There's like, man, it would be nice to get away from this sometimes. <laughs> like that's true. Yeah. Um, but I I think that and we're starting to see this a little bit in you know radical places like San Francisco but other cities as well you're starting to see more communal living arrangements um, it's it's not always extended family um, uh, that's living together but but I think we yeah as I said before mom dad kid kid is just a really lonely and hard way to it's a hard way to raise kids like kids were never raised by mom dad kid kid right? they were raised by mom dad auntie uncle cousin sue you know <laughs> like <laughs> grandma grandpa that, <laughs> the whole yeah time. that that burden of child rearing was shared amongst a larger group and that child got to interact with a much richer community on a daily basis, right? Not just once in a month or once, you know, once in a while I go to visit grandma, but constant interaction with people across multiple generations. Yeah. And um and what that results in, I think, is hey, I watched, you know, cousin Louie when he was 16, and then I saw him when he was 20, and I also saw cousin Vinny when he was 16 and when he was 20. And and you know, and I learned that, you know, taking this path can lead you to land in jail, right? Like when <laughs> yeah. you, when you're, when you're on site and you witness people navigating different stages of life, whether that's 16 or 60, it leads you to have greater wisdom because you can, you can leverage what you witnessed there today, the way our society is structured, we don't witness how people go through other stages of life, right? Yeah. We're not, we're not seeing that regularly, and so we are deprived of all of that wisdom. Right? We've got a very educated society, but the um, tacit wisdom that comes from being around people as they're going through different periods, different phases, different experiences um, is something that we're missing out on. And there are, you know, there's hippie communes, <laughs> and there are um, cooperative. Um, communal housing structures. Um, some of the ones that are interesting have, you know, a bunch of people kind of living in separate houses, but with some shared commons, right? They may have like yeah. a group kitchen and some music halls and some things like that. And they've got, you know, 17 houses that are all around <laughs> us in the 10 houses. Um, those I think are, are, are really interesting because they strike a solid balance of private and communal. Yeah. Right. Of being able to retreat back to a space that is, you know, just yours or just yours and your sweethearts, and have those private forms of communication, private um, types of intimacy, 
um, but also have just a lot more um, uh, interaction uh, with a, a rich or diverse set of people. And when you when you see a, a city like New York, um, you know that's one of the things that people like yeah. about a place like that is that you're interacting with lots of folks. But there's different levels of you know how much in a community are we? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, I see that guy every day, but I've never talked to him. You yeah. know. <laughs> Um, whereas in communal, in, in a communal environment where you have some sort of membrane, right. Where there's some sort of, Hey, this is our community and we're inviting people in. Um, but like we've, we've had multiple experiences with one another and we've built up some understandings about how we're going to interact. We've got a bit of a history to build upon. That's a much rich, it's a different thing. It's a different thing entirely. And I, and I, and I think that, um, after world war II, um, there was basically a big ad campaign <laughs> put yeah. on by the U.S. government for you know go get your own home and a white picket fence. Yeah, and that's that's what it means to be an adult is you have to be away from your family. Um, and I think it was actually really destructive um, for for us as as individuals and as a community. That's really cool. It's a great uh, perception that I, I've not heard before. So really cool. I mean, I definitely know about community living and I've been a part of community living, uh, <laughs> both at the church that I worked at, but also, uh, in, uh, even some of the apartment complexes, they did some really cool stuff with creating community within that structure. It was really cool. Yeah. I will say one last thing. Yeah. yeah. I will say one last thing from my perspective, the, um, basically all you need to have community is communication. Right. Communication. If you have communication, you have community. Wow. If you don't have communication, you don't have community. And um, and so we we are. It's funny how English, you know, already <laughs> English has these understandings baked in. Yeah. Right? When we say commune, right? Yeah. Communication. Commune means, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Commune means literally bring people together. And when you bring people together, they interact, they communicate yeah. and they end up influencing one another. They end up sharing ideas. They end up building on one another's stuff. They end up playing, they end up working. So that's for me, that's a really critical lesson. And, and it's different from category, you know, Prius owners is not a community. No. <laughs> right? Prius owners is a category that somebody could target you yeah, know, as an effort, yeah. but they don't communicate. And so ideas aren't going to propagate across that community. They don't have mechanisms that enable them as a group to share, to signal to one another. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave that there. I think you may have answered this already, but I want to ask it straightforward. And that's what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm, that's kind of interesting. I don't know that I care. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in part because, you know, uh, how long are we going to be remembered, right? Like, it's, it, let's, let's say humanity, let's say we thrive and we you know, make it another hundred generations, right? Yeah. Four, five generations, six generations, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's... I don't know. I, this has less. So if, if you're framing legacy as like, what will people know about me? Kind of don't care. Um, what would the impact be? Really care. I, 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 I would like the impact of my work in conjunction with all these other people's work yeah. um, to be that we created a world that works, that we left a, uh, the steer that we created the steering mechanisms that enabled us 
to thrive at the scales that we operate today. Yeah. Right. We've, we've, we, we, we created a bunch of steering mechanisms in the past. Like we've been doing this. We've invented all the stuff that we're using now, right? Like for sure. Governments and law and money. And, you know, we invented all of that stuff and it helped us grow, but it's helped us grow to such a scale that we are at at that scale. We are bad at steering, right? The steering (laughs) mechanisms that allowed us to scale don't work at that scale. And so I'm, the hope for a legacy, I guess, is to create the steering systems that enable us to really steer well at that scale. And what that means at some level is, you know, um, exercise restraint. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and to be able to feel that, oh man, if I do this, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt somebody. It's gonna have this negative impact. Or if I did this instead, it'll be better. And we're not, we're not going to get to perfect, right? Yeah. All, the best we can do is better. Like which of these things is better. And if we're consistently, you know, getting to differentiate between two options right now, I go to a store. I can't tell any difference between my options yeah. except for price, yeah. you know, and maybe if something says like organic, but <laughs> if we are, if we are much better at being able to tell like, Oh, that one seems better than this one for me, you know, from my perspective, from what I'm hoping to do, from what I'm hoping to support, you know, a is better than B I'm going to go with a, if you have a system that works like that at scale, we have a better world. Yeah. Period. And it's better not because we had some science scientists at the middle who were brilliant. It's better because each individual makes decisions that are more in line with their uh, objectives, their desires, their short term and long term. Right. If we're better capable of sensing what the long term impact of choosing A over B is, what the impact for our larger community, for our you know longer term self-interest, not just our short term um, self-interest, not that short term doesn't matter. They all matter. But if we're able to figure out which one works best for us consistently, regularly, um, the world works better. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. I, and I've never addressed what do I mean by legacy, and I purposely haven't done that when I've asked the guests, because legacy is whatever you want to leave behind. Could be the impact, could be reputation, and that kind of thing. And so, so I think that's a perfect legacy to leave behind. Awesome, thank you. What inspires you? I'm gonna. I'll, I'll give two answers. You know, one is kind of old hat based on the conversation we've had so far, but nature, right? Like, yeah. I, I think there's just in, there's incredible wisdom um, that you can get from looking at at nature and um, and the ways in which um, those patterns work. So there's there's one. I, I wish I could say I was inventing all this stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. You know, yeah. we're basically like, how? Wow. There's there there's um, we've been looking for answers for a long time and the solution has been right in front of our eyes this whole time. Right. So that, that's, that's, that's one part. But the other thing I'll say is, um, that the, the two co-founders of the Metacurrency project, Arthur Brock and Eric Harris Braun, um, I find them to be incredibly inspirational. Not only do they have the, the wisdom, like the technical chops and the, you know, deep philosophy, philosophy stuff, but they were, their approach is so human and so, um, I don't know, almost gentle Okay, would be the way to frame it. Like that, that when there's a falling down or a failure, it's, it's a, there's a, a lovingness there okay. as opposed to, 
as opposed to like a, the the you did bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nurturing that, mentality. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is that leads to growth, right? <laughs> like it's like a gardener. Yeah, but they're but they they have there's a there's a it's like working with black belts. Okay, you know who are who are black belts in growth um, at all levels. And because they play the game at that high a level, at that high a maturity or that that level of wisdom, it's um, it's been inspiring from a work side, but it's also been transformative from a personal side okay. for me. That's really so, cool. Yeah. What are you reading or watching right now? Um, what am I reading right now? I I just read a book called um, uh, Growth, not Growth, Debt: The First Five Thousand Years. Okay. Uh, I think by David Graeber, and it's great. It's totally great. He he goes into the history of money and debt and credit and um, and basically, you know, coming from an anthropologist, you know, studying how humans work perspective, um, just kicks the crap out of economists. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's playful. Graeber was one of the kind of the architects of the um, uh, Occupy Wall Street movement. Okay. Um, not that I th- I think I think that's a, a way to a fair way to describe him. Um, but the book is fun and it's interesting and solid. The other book that um, I reread regularly is called Seeing Nature, by a guy named Paul Craffel, um, K R A F E L, and that book is awesome. It's short. It's beautiful. It's little stories about things that he's seen, the patterns in nature that he's seen during his, you know, decades of wandering in nature, working in nature, leading workshops in nature, et cetera. Um, and it's just amazing. And I'd, I'd say a fair bit of the work that we do on the Metacurrency Project is inspired by some of Craffel's insights. That's really cool. I end every episode with this question. It's my favorite thing to ask in the world. And it's this question. What is one dream you are still wanting to fulfill in your own life? Hmm. (laughs) Get this thing working. (laughs) I mean, really? (laughs) Like I've done, you know, I I play well. I've surfed giant waves and I've, you know, traveled and, and stuff like that. And, um, but, uh, and and the and the sad part about that is like that's not going. I'm not going to get to the end, right? There's not an end of the rainbow on this thing. Yeah. Uh, but but getting this stuff out into the world where it starts really having a, where it starts being useful, you know, where people start <laughs> using it and building on it, and it starts having that. Tra- it's not going to have a transformative impact until people are using it, right? Yeah. Um, but as that starts to to shift, I think that's going to be a really fun ride. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't feel like there's a a goal that I'm going to get to, uh, it feels like it's the ride that I want to take and be a part of. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. Cool. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you guys are really thinking out what could be and creating it. So it's really inspirational. Thanks for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed part two of my interview with Matthew Schutte. It has been so much fun hearing his stories along with what they're creating at the Metacurrency Project and Collaborative Advantage. Once again, I want to thank Matthew for taking time out and being a guest and sharing his ideas. 
If you missed part one, make sure you go back and check it out. It's got some powerful information and ideas that are shared that you won't want to miss. On Thursday's episode, episode number 44, we have Raj Daniels, the CEO and Vice President of Enthusiasm for Open Time. Really cool company doing amazing things. You don't want to miss that. That's coming this Thursday. Do you have a big idea or a dream you want to chase and you simply don't know where to start? JumboThink is here to help you. Not only do we have an amazing podcast, but we also offer consulting services around ideas and dreaming. Whether you have a simple question that you need answered or you want someone to go along on your journey of chasing your idea or dream, JumboThink is here to help. Here's the first step. Swing on over to jumblethink.com contact and fill out the contact form there. Once we get it, we can set up our first consultation. That consultation right now, we're doing a special and it's free. Nothing scarier than taking that first step to chase your dream or idea, but we're here to help. We can't wait to hear from you and help you as you chase your dream. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and that it's given you some steps you can take to chase your dreams and create the world you want to live in. En arrière, sur les côtés, vous êtes une autre personne. Les mères de famille, les enfants, peuvent également prendre un moment revitalisant dans quelques mois, lorsque vous aurez bien saisi la technique et que vous serez maître de votre corps. Vous pourrez vous décontracter même en travaillant.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.